it has been decided maybe since the safety in the first quarter. The teams are going to head to the middle of the field. That is going to do it. 12, they're bringing the trophy home. Your Seahawks, Super Bowl 48 champions. Welcome back, guys. Thanks for joining us again. I am Skeletone. And I am Taylor of Terror. And so, therefore, you must be listening to the Grave Plot Podcast. So, before we get started with our news section, Taylor has an announcement. Yes. As of uh, the airing of this episode, our nominations for Listener's Choice are officially closed, and voting is officially open. So, just head over to graveplotpodcast.com. There's going to be a poll up at the top of the site with all the nominees, and just vote, and the winners will be announced next week, and then we will be reviewing them on episode 10. Right. Um, And, well, I mean, I guess this is (laughs) uh, irrelevant knowledge now, but we're able to vote more than once on the nominations. (laughs) Right. And uh, you should be able to vote more than once, too. On the poll? Yeah. Okay. I'm not sure if there's a way that I can turn that off. Oh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> if there is, I will. If not, then go nuts. Yeah. And I, I know one listener in particular, my fiance. I'm sure she's going to blow it up with her choice. So, so you, Max, I think. Oh, okay. Well, so you guys got to battle back against those two <laughs> so we can even score a little bit. Um. So this is actually our second round recording this. We had a little bit of uh, technical trouble. I still have no idea what happened. Yeah, we got about nine minutes in. and like You might know the last episode we had some issues with our mics. Uh, and so we kind of resolved instead of recording on one computer, we record on two uh, so that the, the tracks might stay a little more in sync. Um, and so Taylor's computer decided to crap out at about nine minutes in, so... At a, almost an hour, <laughs> finally realized what was happening. So we're starting over. Yeah, like I looked at it and just saw a flat line, and I was like, oh, good. It's not picking up anything Tony's saying. <laughs> then I realized it wasn't picking up anything I was saying either. Gotta love technology. Fuck me, right? Fuck you, right. Um, okay, so we're going to try and bang this out as quickly as possible because we've done it already. <laughs> Let's jump into horror business. Up first, we've got some updates. Oh, wait. For some reason, I thought it wasn't recording. (laughs) That would have fucking sucked. Okay. 
Can I go? Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> Paranormal Activity 5 is uh, a thing. And uh, we've got some news on the characters. Um, Not so much the actors who are playing them. But it's about a new family. Again. Uh, This time, it's about Ryan, who is somewhere between 26 and 31. Who is described as a big kid. He's a video game designer who has relocated his family from New York to Palo Alto for a job at Rockstar Games. Which which is a real company. That's the company that makes all the Grand Theft Auto games. Yeah, I wonder if uh, like Rockstar like bought into this, or if Paramount came to them and said, hey, you know, we want to include you in here. I think it's going to be much? one big Rockstar Games commercial. Probably. I wonder if the video games are somehow going to like be involved in the recording or something. If Because... Like, um, Part four had the uh, connect right recording. I was mm-hmm. so I wonder if that's going to work in there somehow. Like, like he's playing like I don't know Grand Theft Auto or something, and you see the game react to him somehow, or just, or maybe like glitch or something or something. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, you're right. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of Rockstar. Oh yeah, advertising, and then his wife is uh, Emily who is uh, somewhat of a hippie she's into organic food, gluten free loves arts and music Um, she's considerably more serious than her husband Um, I don't know if she's supposed to be older or maybe she's a little bit of a cougar I don't know, I see a lot of hippies, especially like the new age hippies, they're kind of a combination of hippie and hipster yeah they're just not fun people (laughs) it's really full of themselves and just douchey so yeah um like the description says she has an air of maturity about her whatever that means self-important um and then they have a daughter layla who is described as a fearless opinionated tomboy so i have to figure that probably places her somewhere not necessarily like a like a small child, like probably early teens, maybe. Right. Uh, I would think if you're if you're old enough to uh, have an identity of a tomboy, probably a, a, like a teenager. Right. Right. Um. So it sounds like the same movie. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a good thing that uh, the marked ones wasn't considered Paranormal Activity Five because that was a completely different family. Right. Oh wait. <laughs> Um, and, and yeah, I, I find it funny that they can keep making these movies with new families and somehow connect them to the original one because anybody that's seen Paranormal Activity knows that this evil entity, this demon or whatever is like just attached to this one family line with um, Katie and Christy. I remember your name this time. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, attached to their family. So it confuses me how they managed to keep the same story going with a different family when it's supposed to be connected to that family. Yeah, like, um, 
parts three and four were just completely different families. Or no, not three and four, two and four. Mm-hmm. Um, three was the flashback one. Right. But yeah, there's still somehow some bullshit tie-in. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm so sick of these fucking movies. They just, like we discussed before, they just seems like they keep gradually getting worse. And like you said before, that Paramount, or actually, sorry, the, the creators, the writers, they actually have, like you said, like have an end game in mind. But they say they don't know if they have enough movies to to get to that point. Yeah, like what's I don't know what kind of deal they have with Paramount, like how many movies they have agreed to, but Paramount seems perfectly content with just letting them go. Yeah, I mean, despite the fact that these movies just keep getting more and more unwatchable, they keep pulling in money. Well, yeah, I mean, they make a thousand or they uh, cost a thousand dollars to make. Right. You know, all you need is a handy cam. Mm-hmm. A couple months worth of CGI. Yeah. It's like we discussed um, the last episode, episode before, maybe even further back than that. Anyway, we were talking about uh, uh, Amityville, how that's going to be found footage and, like, how they need a year to film it. It's like I said, these movies, they they film so quickly. And then to add in any extra CGI, it's like takes a couple months maybe yeah so low overhead and you know you get these no-name actors right and then if you make five million dollars you've still made a huge profit mm-hmm. yeah so so if, if you're into paranormal activity you'll probably like it if like us you're a little bit tired of it you probably won't like it because either way, it just feels like it's just going to be the same old stuff. Yeah. Uh, for those of you that are interested, do we have a, re- a release date on this? I think it's sometime in October. October, yeah, Halloween. Okay, which makes sense, I suppose. That's their their usual time slot, right? Well, uh, against our better judgment, we'll keep you posted on any updates. Fair up the Okay, so next, those of you that have access to FearNet, um, which is a cable channel, I think it originally started as some kind of cable-related website. I think you maybe had to have like a cable connection and a, like a login, kind of like nowadays you've got like HBO Go and those type of sites where you have to have like some kind of account with a cable provider. I think that might have been how FearNet started, but now it's like a proper cable channel, right? Which you know has its own shows and they show movies. And, um, there's actually a particular popular show on there called Fear Clinic. It stars Robert England, who you would know as Freddy Krueger, the original Freddy Krueger. He stars as he's this doctor, maybe some kind of psychologist. I, you know. I'm not terribly familiar with it since we, I don't have cable. Neither of us do. So, um, he he's some kind of doctor, and he basically 
talks about different types of fear um, or different kinds of phobias. And the news is that Anchor Bay has actually picked up the rights to Fear Clinic to make an actual feature-length film. Right. Um, that's going to be directed by Robert Hall, mm-hmm. which I'm not sure what else he's done. Neither am I. I don't, I'm not familiar with the name. Um, but Robert England will be in the movie, mm-hmm. uh, along with Fiona Dorif, who was in Curse of Chucky. Right. That's Brad Dorif's daughter. Who's way too good-looking for to be his daughter. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what her mom looks like. I don't know. She must be a fucking supermodel or something. Right. But that leads you to think, what the hell is she doing with Brad Dorif? Money. I guess. <laughs> All his B-rated movie money. <laughs> All that Chucky money. Yeah. Uh, it also stars Thomas Decker, who was in uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street abortion. Right. Um, He's also, he might, for those of you a little more obscure reference, he might recognize him as, uh, he played John Connor in the Sarah Connor Chronicles, which is a short-lived Terminator TV show. I don't care for him. I think he's a douche. <laughs> He, well, yeah. Uh, and then Kevin Gage. I don't. Do you know Kevin Gage? No, I'm not familiar with him. Bells. And, I mean, uh, I might recognize him if I saw him, but right. the name doesn't sound familiar. And then Corey Taylor, who, if that name sounds familiar, it's because he was the singer of Slipknot. Yeah, I don't know why he's in it. <laughs> uh, apparently, he's acting now. I, I guess. I mean, have you ever seen him in anything else? Um, Stone Sour. That other band he was in, <laughs> but as far as acting and anything, no, I didn't think so. So I, I have to wonder, like, did he audition? Did did they seek him out? <laughs> I do not know. Well, um, so yeah, basically the, ba- the 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 plot of it is that it explores several different phobias manifested by the lead characters, all of which stem from the same traumatic experience. So you have to figure it has one general wraparound story mm-hmm. with these characters included, but then it includes like includes their separate backstories, obviously all coming from one central event. Right. Um, which reminds me of a few different movies, one being a movie called Tales from the Crypt, which was actually completely unrelated to the TV show. I believe this was from... Uh, the 70s, I believe. It is an old British movie. And essentially had this group of, you know, crusty old rich guys, you know, just sitting there lounge and drink brandy and smoke cigars and stuff. Um, and they just sit around and they all talk about these stories that happen to them and they all kind of relate to each other a little bit. And then you know, maybe a movie like um, like Tales from the Hood, <laughs> where it's got these central characters in the wraparound story that are involved in the anthology stories. So, yeah, um, it kind of makes me think of Identity. Yeah, a little bit. Um, or the the book Haunted by Chuck Palahniuk. Um, I haven't read that one. Uh, it's about these artists, or uh, I think. There's some artists and some authors, and they get invited to, like, this conference, but then they get locked in, like, a warehouse or something. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're all sharing these stories, and they, they have to figure out what ties them together in order to get out. Got it. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, that d- does sound 
at least from what we know so far, that does sound pretty similar. So. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I, I can't imagine this, this will be, half, you know, shouldn't be half bad. Um, I mean, it's got Robert England, who, aside from, you know, maybe a, a couple blunders, he's, he is typically in some pretty decent movies. Like 976 Evil? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, oh God, what was it? Uh, Jack something, the, the Monster Slayer? Oh, right. I thought that was going to be so awesome. <laughs> I know a lot of people like it. Like, a lot of horror fans really like it. Just, I'm just watching it. Like, God, I can't believe I just spent $10 on this movie. <laughs> but um, no no news beyond that uh, as far as a release date or anything like that. And, we, I mean, we don't know if it's going to be, like, DTV or if it's going to get a theater release. Mm-hmm. Anchor Bay kind of leads me to believe it might be DTV. But I don't know for sure. Um, anyway, but as, as we hear more news about this, we will make sure we inform all of you. Speaking of Fearnet, uh, there's a, a popular series on there called Holliston. Great show. Very good show. Um, it's about these two guys, Adam and Joe, who are played by Adam Green and Joe Lynch, who are very famous horror filmmakers. Um, you might recognize uh, Adam Green as the director and writer of the Hatchet movies. Right. Joe Lynch, I am admittedly not terribly familiar with his work. Yeah, he's he's a little less well known. Mm-hmm. Um, the series is written by Adam Green as well, but it's about these two guys who have a uh, public access horror show mm-hmm. where they like show old movies and have discussions about them, and you know have special guests on sometimes. And then it's basically about their lives trying to get a movie made. Shin guards, shin pads, shin pads. <laughs> About a uh, undead soccer team. <laughs> um, it's it's kind of a uh, sitcom parody. A little bit. Like, it's got laugh tracks and stuff, but I'm pretty sure that those are uh, plugged in and not... I don't I don't think it's filmed in front of a studio audience. Oh, definitely not, no. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fun show. Um, it's, it's mostly funny, but every once in a while they have, like, some horror gore effects in it and yeah um it's it's got fun things in it like i mean they've got random horror um icons like kane hodder Derek mears tony, tony todd. todd they'll show up and uh in adam adam green's kind of imaginary friend that lives in his closet is otis Arungus, who's the singer from guar right <laughs> that's never quite explained like they don't, you don't really know why that happens, <laughs> but um, it, it's a really fun show. It, it reminds me of us in a lot of ways. Absolutely, like they have a TV show, we have a podcast, mm-hmm. and then just their interactions with each other are very similar to ours. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think Joe even has restless leg syndrome, <laughs> which I which I have. There's, there's episodes where he's just like, I see him, you know, over there and his leg just starts going like crazy. And I'm just like, oh, hey, it's just like Tony. Yeah. Um, 
it, it, it's like I said, it's really, really cornball. Um, but like I, my girlfriend was like, "Why do you like this show?" And I was like, "Look at it." <laughs> I was like, "It's it's made for people like me and Tony. <laughs> it's funny. It's got horror elements. It's got stupid jokes." <laughs> <laughs> and and admittedly, there, it, it's it's a little slow to start. I think. Like, the first few episodes, it's kind of clunky. Like, the jokes don't really hit. Um, I mean, Adam and Joe, they seem very amateurish as far as their acting and stuff, which is understandable uh, since neither of them are actors by trade. Right. They're used to being behind the camera. Right. But as the series goes on, and I think the the entire first season is, what, a total of, like, maybe ten episodes? Maybe uh, seven. Seven. Okay. As the, as the series or as the season goes on, it, it kind of picks up a little bit. Like they kind of find their their groove a little bit, and it, yeah. it, it, it's a little funnier. Um, so if you I do watch it, and I think I can speak for Taylor here, where we highly recommend that you do watch it. Yeah, um, and we've been so busy talking about it, we forgot the, the actual news. Right, is uh, <laughs> season two is coming out on DVD and Blu-ray on April eighth, which yeah. is still too far away for me. Yeah, I mean, season one is. It's it's on Hulu, and I think that's how I originally watched it. I'm not sure if it's for you or not. Let's well, say yes. <laughs> um, and so I would have thought that when season two was over, or you know, either during or after season two, they would have done the same and put season two on Hulu, but they haven't. And not as of yet, right? And it's. I mean, you can't find it to watch anywhere. I don't. I don't think it's not even on like on demand, um, and you can't find it uh, like anywhere online. I mean, even through lesser known avenues. <laughs> um, so I'm really looking forward to this, just so I can watch the damn thing. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Watch it. <laughs> Uh, and what was that date again? April 8th. Got it. All right, so, yeah, uh, look for it and watch it and catch up with it on Hulu in the meantime. Next, there's a movie coming out that it's another found footage movie, which we've been pretty clear on our feelings for found footage movies. But this one, conceptually, is pretty interesting. Um, it's called Lucky Bastard, and basically, the concept is that there's a, a porn website called Lucky Bastard. And for those of you porn connoisseurs out there, you may be familiar with sites like this where it's it's kind of a, quote, reality porn site where they pick up just these average Joes um, and sign them up to have sex with these porn stars. Um, so that's basically what's happening in this movie. They, they pick up this random, average, kind of geeky-looking Joe and try to set him up with this porn star and it kind of looks like things just don't really go well like he kind of gets a little bit of performance anxiety and it's like it's not taken well by the cast or by the, by the crew 
and he just gets really thoroughly embarrassed, and it kind of looks like he eventually comes back with a vengeance. He kind of snaps. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so it, it, this might be one of the best concepts for a found footage movie ever. Yeah, like it's it's a great reason to be filming, for one. Mm-hmm. Like we talked about how so many found footage movies have that why the fuck are you recording. Yeah. This one, you know, that gives you a reason is because obviously they're they're shooting a porno. Definitely. Um and, and it's rated NC-17, so it's going to, you know, have the good stuff. Right, which is something, you, like, I don't... I think the last NC-17 movie I saw that actually got released under the NC-17 rating was uh, probably Showgirls. <laughs> I mean, back in the, what, 90s? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've heard of movies where, like, they were threatening them with an NC-17 rating, and so they, right. they trimmed it back. Yeah, uh, uh, case in point... Uh, I believe it was House of a Thousand Corpses. Yeah, where they the the MPAA was not going to give it an R rating because of just the excessive gore. And so I think I mean that's why House of a Thousand Corpses sat in kind of development hell. Well, not development hell, but just kind of sat on the shelf for years because he was so against cutting anything out of the movie. And I think maybe he just eventually did, and um, that eventually brought it down to an R rating. Um, but it, it, it's just, it's amazing to see an NC-17 movie actually get released. Right. It is a limited release, though. Right. Um, it's coming out on Valentine's Day. <laughs> of all days. Either in New York or L.A., I don't remember. Mm-hmm. And then I think like a week later or so, it's coming out in the other one. Got it. Um, and I don't think we have any word on whether or not it's going to be like a wide release or, you know, VOD or, you know, straight to video or, or, or whatever. Um, probably not. I mean, you, you don't see a lot of NC-17 movies hit the Yeah, I, I, guess, I, sh- I guess I should uh, qualify that and say, like, maybe the more independent movie houses might release it. I, I don't know. Um, but it is starring Don McManus as a director. Um, look him up. Like, do a Google image search on him. You'll recognize him. I, I almost guarantee you've seen him in something. Yeah. Nothing, nothing immediately comes to mind. There's a lot of people in this movie that are that guy from that thing. Right, which I th- feel works really well for a found footage movie to kind of give it that element of realism. Yeah. But at um, the same time, they're like actors that people will recognize, so that kind of takes away something. A, a little bit, yeah, to a certain extent, but... uh while there are obviously a lot of people that will recognize them, there's probably an equal amount of people that won't. True. Because, um, like, the, the guy the guy who wins the contest and gets to bang the porn star um, is an actor by the name of Jay Paulson. Mm-hmm. He was in several episodes of Mad Men. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was also in Can't Hardly Wait. <laughs> who was who he in Can't Hardly Wait? He was one of the X-Files nerds. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> And then Chris Wilde plays the cameraman, who we talked about in our Revenant review because he was in that. Yeah. And then he was, uh, he did a lot of like bit bits, bit, bit bits, bit rolls. There we go. (laughs) Um, In like the 90s, he had uh, a short lived talk show on MTV called The Chris Wilde Show, starring Chris Wilde. (laughs) Um, I do remember him being in Coyote Ugly. Really? For for about five seconds. (laughs) And then Betsy Rue plays the porn star, who I'm not familiar with by name. She she looked familiar to me. And you, you would probably recognize her more if she had baby batter on her face, right? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but, 
Because I, I think she is a porn star. I think there's a couple actual porn stars in this movie. I would. Th- I mean, I can't imagine porn stars come expensive. Really. Yeah. I mean, I, imagine I mean, there's that. a lot of them in uh, Piranha. Yeah. The remake. Um, and so I imagine if you're going to make a movie about porn stars, it's probably pretty easy to actually cast porn yeah. stars. Um, but yeah, like I said, just Betsy Rue, I, same, same as you, I don't recognize her by name, but watching the trailer, she did look familiar. And I mean, I'm not much of a porn connoisseur, so I, I don't know. But yeah, so like, like we said, limited release on Valentine's Day. Uh, about a week after that, it might get a little more, uh, kind of major cities, I guess. Um, and then beyond that, we're not really sure, but this sounds like something that might interest you. You can check it out at luckybastardmovie.com and watch the trailer and, you know, check out whatever else information they might have for you. I'm going to keep an eye on it because I want to see it. I'll bet you do. Let's <laughs> <laughs> You're the woman I love and I love what it's doing to you. Having my baby. So, um, I think our Christmas episode was the first time we mentioned the Rosemary's Baby miniseries. Sounds right. And then we, uh, we told you that Zoe Saldana had been cast as Rosemary. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some new casting news. Uh, Patrick J. Adams is cast as Guy, which is Rosemary's husband. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason Isaacs, who I believe is from the USA show Suits, uh, he is Roman Castavet, mm-hmm. who uh, is like the the head warlock that kind of leads the uh, insemination of Rosemary. I guess right. the one um, that kind of plants the the Antichrist or whatever it is plants the seed. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, they're, they're, uh, the cast of it are Rosemary and Guy's neighbors. Mm-hmm. And then his wife, uh, Margot, is being played by Carol Bouquet, right. who I believe is a French actress. Sounds French. And then uh, an English actress by the name of Christina Cole is playing Rosemary's friend Julie. Okay. So that's that's the latest casting update uh mm-hmm. the show is being written by james wong and scott abbott i believe james wong was involved in saw if i'm not mistaken i think he was uh, a co-writer on that possibly or maybe insidious maybe I both i don't know anyways um <laughs> yeah, and then it's being directed by i want to say agnieszka holland i'm not entirely sure if that first name is correct yeah it looks right uh, she was nominated for an Oscar for Europa Europa, which I guess is a movie a thing. <laughs> That's it's a it's a program of some kind. Uh, yeah, I, it must be good. I, I guess, <laughs> but I have no idea what it is. So that's uh, that's coming. What in the fall? Do we know when that's I, coming? I don't know if it has, actually has any kind of release date attached to it. Uh, I mean, it's a miniseries, so I imagine, I don't know, they'll probably start filming during the summer, so maybe... Maybe next spring? Maybe. Sometime. And it's going to be on NBC? NBC, yeah. NBC, and it's 10 episodes. Right. So uh, keep an eye on that. If we hear more, we will tell it to you. Yeah. They came from way far out, out of 
next, um, so Sundance just recently ended. Um, there's a handful of movies that actually got picked up from it for distribution. One of them, one of which being uh, Cooties, which uh, Lionsgate picked up. Um, it is written by Ian Brennan, who was actually a writer on Glee, and uh, Lee Wannell, who was actually a writer on Saw. So it's an interesting combination. He was in Saw too, was he? Yeah, he was the the other guy. Oh, right, right, that right. was with uh, Carrie Yule's. Right. Okay. I, I thought I recognized. And then in Insidious, name. he played one of the ghost hunter guys. Right. Um, it's it's a horror comedy starring Elijah Wood, Rain Wilson, uh, Allison Pill, Jack McBrayer, Jorge Garcia, and Nassim Pedret Pedrad. Um. And also, I guess, Elijah Wood's production company produced this. Mm-hmm. Um, so ba- it, it kind of looks like the basic concept of the movie is that it, it, it almost looks like 28 Days Later in an elementary school. Right. There's some kind of viral outbreak in an elementary school that turns the children into just these ravenous cannibals, basically. Um, it's like twenty eight days made uh, twenty eight days later meets kindergarten cop, right? And maybe with a little bit of Shaun of the Dead sprinkled in, a little bit, yeah, yeah. And so um, Elijah Wood, he actually plays a substitute teacher, just happens to be there that day, <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, along with uh, Rain Wilson, Allison Pill, Jack Brayer, Jorge Gasaria, Nassim Pedrad, I think they all play um, teachers at the school. I believe so, or employees of the school of some kind sure um i don't know i'm personally more most excited about rain wilson being in it because how could you not love pretty much anything he's in plus he's a big seahawks fan right <laughs> go hawks um for those of you that don't know rain wilson played dwight Schrute on the office and if you don't know that go live in a hole <laughs> Uh, Allison Pill was the drummer from Scott Pilgrim. Mm-hmm. Jack McBrayer uh, is Kenneth from 30 Rock. Right. Jorge Garcia is Hurley from Lost <laughs> or The Blitz. <laughs> and Nassim Pedrad is from Saturday Night Live. Right. And, I mean, I don't know a lot of those people by name. I basically know them as their character names. Right. Um so yeah, like Nassim Pedrad, I wouldn't have known that she was on uh, Saturday Night Live. But earlier you pointed out to me like that she plays uh, Carl Grimes on Saturday Night Live, and she does it really well. Yeah. Um, so you telling me that, I recognize her by just from her character on there. So, um, but I, I, I guess probably a lot of people will watch this and say, oh. Again, there's that guy from that one thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, oh, it's Kenneth or, you know. Right. Um, so this sounds good. I mean. Have, have you seen the poster? With the lollipop? Yeah. Yeah. It's great. It's like super 80s looking. Uh-huh. It's it, like it reminds me of the house <clears throat> trailer or uh, poster. Yeah. I, I love the like the old school feel of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't look like that. At least from the stills I've seen, doesn't look like that goes directly to the movie. Just no, not necessarily. But. Right. Um, 
but it, it sounds like it's it's got the makings to be pretty funny. Yeah. Um, I mean, just the cast alone and the, the concept and you, com- you combine all, all your visual elements that you've received so far, just combine them all. And it, it, it looks like it's probably a pretty good movie. I believe um, the tagline was something <clears throat> like, kids can be real monsters or something like that. <laughs> Um, so yeah, this is this picked up by Lionsgate at Sundance, and typically when a movie gets picked up at a festival for distribution, it tends to take a while to actually be released. Um, I mean, like I've I've seen movies before they get picked up by a dist- dist- uh, distributor and take upwards around a year to actually get any kind of real distribution, whether it be. Um, a theater release or or direct to video or VOD or, or something. Actually, VOD is more indie, but um, I, I'd say probably a handful of years ago, I'd look at Lionsgate and say, okay, well, that's probably going to be DTV because they're more of an indis- independent distrib- yeah, distributor. But ever since the Saw franchise, right? Saw really kind of brought them out. Yeah. Um, so it, it's completely likely that it could get like a wide theatrical release mm-hmm. so um i hope so me too i mean uh, it's something i'm gonna keep an eye on because this is something i want to see yeah for sure um and we will keep you guys informed like i said no no idea on a release date yet but as more developments come we'll uh, be sure to fill you in Another movie that was at Sundance is um, the sequel to Dead Snow, which is called Dead Snow Red vs. Dead. Um, this was picked up by Wellgo USA, <laughs> who I've never heard of and sounds mm. like a Japanese candy company or something. <laughs> but uh, they they just released a trailer. They, they released a teaser that we talked about last episode? I believe it was last episode, yeah. Okay, well, they've, they've now released the full trailer. And uh, it's it's interesting because it appears that there's at least a group of the cast that's all American, right? Including a familiar face, Martin Starr, right? Yeah. Um, if you don't know who Martin Starr is, he played Bill Haverchuk on Freaks and Geeks, mm-hmm. uh, and then he's in like all the Judd Apatow movies, just like the rest of the cast of Freaks and Geeks. Yeah, and um, kind of maybe a smaller group of cult followers might recognize him from Party Down. Right. Which was a pretty popular show. It only ran for a couple seasons on Stars, I believe. But I know that's got its own little own little group of like hard, hardcore fans. So. Yeah. But he, yeah, he, he leads this uh, zombie squad mm-hmm. who apparently comes to help fight the zombie Nazis from Part 1. Right. And uh, the, the survivor from Part 1, Martin, ironically, <laughs> uh, who we told you before has he now has one of the zombie Nazis arms mm-hmm. attached to his body and he has these like superpowers with it. It it basically gives him like punk rock super fist. <laughs> and uh apparently he can now raise the dead. Yeah. It it it's similar to what the um the Nazi uh general or, or colonel or what the leader of the Nazi zombies um he has the ability to basically kind of slam his fist into the ground 
and raise just an army of, of, of the dead. He does like the Iron Man. Yeah, basically. Um, and so being now that Martin has a zombie arm, he has that same ability. So it kind of looks like the concept of the movie and the whole red versus dead theme is that Martin takes this power and raises his own army of the dead to fight against the, the zombie Nazis. So I don't really understand the red versus dead. I think they're, they're not communists. I, I don't know. They're Norwegian. I mean, <laughs> um, this, as opposed to the original, this looks like it has a lot of comedy element to it. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the original sounded cool. Like, it looked really awesome. But then you actually watch it. And it, it at least for me, it was a little bit of a letdown. I agree. Um, yeah. And, but this one actually looks like it's, <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Um, just because it, it seems like, it uh, aside from having the comedy elements to it, it sounds like it uh, is a little more of an action film rather than just a straight out zombie movie. Um, and that's not to say the original didn't have its action, but this one looks like it might be a little more intense. But um, I think what's really doing it for me is the fact that it's it's gonna have appears to have some humor to it, yeah, which might lighten it up a little bit, and also the fact that. A significant number of the cast are Americans and appear to be speaking English in the film. Right. I don't think Martin Starr speaks Norwegian. Probably not. I, I can't say for sure, but <laughs> I, I don't believe so. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that might actually draw in a lot of, a lot more English-speaking viewers. Well, I'm sure there were people that were put off by the original not being in English because a lot of people, you know, just don't do foreign films. Period. Sure. Um, and, and it, it was um, subtitled; it wasn't dubbed, right? And I think both of you, you and I, agree that I mean, we we just don't really care for subtitles. It's not not to say that we won't watch them. It's it's, just, it's harder for me to focus, yeah, when I'm trying to read what's going on on the bottom, and then also pay attention to what's happening at the same time, right? <coughs> um, and especially in something like a, a horror. Um, or action movie where you've got to be focused on what's actually happening. Right. It's really hard to stay involved when you're reading the entire time, you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this, I think, will, like I said, will draw in a lot more viewers. I think it might become a little more of a, um, a little more of a popular movie as opposed to the original just because it's got that American element to draw in a lot more English-speaking viewers. Yeah. But. Um, no word on a release date yet or, you know, how wide the release will be. Right. Like I said, I don't know who the hell Well Go USA is. <laughs> so it, it may be uh, straight-to-video, which I think the original was straight-to-video, was it not? Um, I believe so. It, it may have had... You know, like maybe a Norwegian release, but right? Here in America, yeah, it was. I believe it was straight to video. Yeah, I expect it's going to be that way again, right? This is going to be the best Christmas ever. So, next up, um, we've talked a lot about 
quote former film director Kevin Smith. It kind of seems like almost every episode lately we've been talking about Kevin Smith directing a new movie, um, which is quite a feat for somebody who doesn't direct movies anymore. Right. <laughs> um, so aside from those other movies we've been talking about, um, he's working on budgeting and scheduling a movie or an anthology movie based on the Krampus. And for those of you that aren't familiar with the Krampus, I, th- I think we've actually discussed it before. What the on our Christmas is. episode. Right. Okay. Um, so just kind of a quick recap. He's basically a demon that while Santa Claus or Saint Nick or whatever deity that culture believes in, um, where he brings gifts to good children, the Krampus comes and collects bad children and takes them to hell or eats them. Basically. Yeah, it depends on the culture. Some believe that he um, throws them in the river. Right. Some believe he uh, eats them. Right. Um, Some believe he beats them with a switch. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he's... He's he's basically the, the yang to Santa Claus's yin. Sure. Um, so he's... Kevin Smith is working on creating an anthology movie based on the Krampus. Um, this is something that was kind of brainstormed and created, much like Tusk was, but brainstormed created on one of Kevin Smith's thousand and one podcasts <laughs> that he has, uh, but in particular the Education podcast. Um, and it's going to be titled Comes the Krampus! Exclamation point. <laughs> Comes the Krampus! <laughs> um, you have to say it like that every time. Sure. Uh, maybe if we hadn't already done this part before. <laughs> um, he, he's, he's, call, he's referring to it as uh, Smodco's Creep Show, which I'm sure most of you are probably familiar with Creep Show, being that this is a horror podcast. Uh, but for those of you who aren't, it's just it's an anthology movie that was heavily contributed to by Stephen King and uh, James or John Carpenter. George Romero. George Romero. And so each part, each separate story of this movie will be directed by a different member of the Smodco family. Um, one story, The Krampus versus a Third Grade, will actually be directed by Andy McElfresh. 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 That's the one. Uh, and he's actually the co-host of the Education podcast. Um, next we got Hitler's Krampus, which will be directed by none other than Jason Samuels, um, which I'm already betting will be probably the best one of the. It's, it's going to have a lot of dicks and pussies and assholes in it. Yeah, and probably a lot of Jason Mewes bending over naked again. Just <laughs> hang down, cast against a, sh- uh, a shadow. Um, then we've got Mask Maker, which is actually going to be directed by Kevin Smith himself. Um, the proposal is going to be directed by Carol Banker, who I'm not familiar with her. Yeah, I'm not sure who that is. I imagine she's involved with Smodco in one form or another. She, she must be. Like apparently, she's a member of the Smodco family, according right? To Kevin Smith. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Maybe she's some kind of administrator or something. But uh, I don't know her as like a co-host of any of the shows or anything. I don't know. Um, and then finally, the Bad Babysitter, which is actually going to be directed by Jennifer Schwalbach, who is Kevin Smith's wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's being produced by Jordan Monsanto, who is uh, Jason Mewes' wife, right? And she's actually kind she's of she's president, president, I think, of, of Smodco. Of Smodco, yeah. Um, I mean, you hear them 
talk about her on Jane Silent Bob Get Old and can kind of she basically runs things. Yeah, she can tell she's the uh, the the balls in that company. So, um, and she's only like twenty five or something, isn't yeah, she? Yeah, she's younger than us. And yeah, uh, fuck. But this is the perks of letting Jason Muse spray his children <laughs> all over you. Uh, you know that guy. I, I feel like he's gotten funnier since he got clean yeah you know that, that's kind of contrary to a lot of people i liked on uh on jansai bob get old when kevin smith was talking about how jason muse was running out of sex stories he's like that's like hearing superman lost his cape like it's right just- <laughs> <laughs> um so this is actually going to start some kind of pre-production after clerks three which we still don't know when that's going to happen most yeah, like he's working on Tusk now. Right. Well, is is Tusk done? I don't know. It's probably in post. Right. Okay. So he's he's working on or is just finished with Tusk. Right. Next, we believe he might be working on Hit Somebody, which is a hockey-themed movie. Well, miniseries. Oh, miniseries. Yeah, first it was going to be a movie, then it became two movies, then it became a miniseries. Oh, Okay. Um, but I, I believe he may have handed that off to somebody else. Oh, that could be. So I'm not entirely sure what's going on with that. I had I had heard that it was canceled or something. That but, may be too. Um, so whether or not that happens, then Clerks the or sorry, then um, comes the Krampus should be being worked on. I think. Well, no, Clerks three would be. Oh right, sorry. Right. Okay. So Clerks three. Then comes the Krampus, um, and like plus there's Hell in a Handbasket that we talked about, right? That's, which will most likely never get made. No, not unless you've got some very anti-Christian uh, producer with right. lots of money to throw around. Um, but uh, I mean, as far as Clerks Three goes, we don't even know. The only news I've heard so far about that is that Rosario Dawson said she's going to be back for Clerks Three. So I think Kevin Smith will probably be in it, probably, <laughs> and Jason Mewes. yeah, um, and Jeff Anderson, and <laughs> yeah, um, Brian O'Halloran. Brian O'Halloran. Anyway, yeah, uh, those guys are very in demand right now. <laughs> <laughs> so who the hell knows when this is actually going to happen? It could be years from now. Yeah, but it's it's nice to see that a retired guy is keeping so busy. <laughs> It would be nice to finally see a Krampus movie. Yeah. It's, I, th- I think we've talked about it before. It's very unexplored um, territory. I in, mean, at least in the States, yeah. Yeah. Um, Although there was an episode of Grimm with Derek Mears as yeah, the Krampus. That was, that was pretty good. Um, <laughs> yeah, I got kind of excited about that one. But... Um, yeah, like I said, it's pretty unexplored territory, so it would be nice to see an American audience be a little more exposed to the Krampus. Um, so, we'll see. I mean, he's got so many coals on the fire. Let's see if this actually happens anytime soon. You know, we could be dead before this actually comes <laughs> out. Um, but anything we do here, we will be sure to keep you guys informed.
also the CW, which is home to such classic programs as The Vampire Diaries and Pretty Little Liars. Uh, has actually is that I, I I only ask because my fiance just got done watching every season on Netflix of Pretty Little Liars, and I thought it was an ABC Family show, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong as well. Wow, I guess it doesn't really matter. Anyways, <laughs> the CW purveyor of shitty shows <laughs> uh, it has just ordered two. Uh, horror slash supernatural pilots, um, one of which is a spinoff of one of Tony's favorite shows, right? Supernatural. That's, I mean, the show's been on for I believe it's uh, on season eight right now, and it, it suffered a little bit of a lull there a couple seasons ago because it really got stuck on the whole angels versus demons thing, and it kind of steered away from the original concept of the show. Of them hunting monsters, you know, uh, and it has since come back to that a little bit. It kind of combines the angels and demons with other monsters. Like this episode, just this past week, was about werewolves. So it's kind of gone back into that. And I don't know how many real like hardcore fans they have left, but it's obviously enough to keep them on TV. And it's, apparently it's enough that they think they can make a spinoff. Apparently. The spinoff's going to be supernatural, called Supernatural Tribes. Um, it's going to take place in Chicago, uh, and it's going to be based off a character that's going to be actually introduced this season in um, Supernatural itself, as like the main character is going to be involved in, I believe it's episode 20, of this season, so right near the end, um, it's it's strange to me that they can establish a uh, spinoff f- based on a character that doesn't exist yet, right? Um, and it's kind of similar to another CW show that I really enjoy, Arrow, um, where they actually are CW is going to be making a Flash season or sorry show. Uh, based on the comic book character. Um, and they were going to use Arrow as kind of a backdoor pilot for that. They actually did introduce Barry Allen. See, that seems even sillier to me because everyone knows who the Flash is. Like, you, you don't need to introduce the Flash on another show. Yeah, and I th- if the original concept was they were going to use Arrow as a backdoor pilot for Fla- the Flash, but... While they still did introduce Barry Allen on Arrow, they, I believe, are still going to make a proper pilot for Flash show itself. Um, I mean, they did did in Arrow, they actually did show Barry Allen in his accident that gives him his powers. So they got that far with the character. So I'm not sure if they're going to backtrack at all in the, the actual TV show. Um, that's yet to be seen, but I can imagine them doing something probably similar uh, it, it, with Supernatural, it's just introducing this character. But it it does seem strange to me because in Supernatural they travel around the country. I mean, they're never in one central spot unless it's like one episode is a continuation of a previous one or something. Uh, they're constantly traveling around the country. 
but this is apparently going to be localized in Chicago. So I don't know if that might expand. Yeah, there's no real plot. Yeah, I mean, it's really hard to speculate because we don't know who this character even is. Yeah. Um, I mean, even that little bit of information could probably provide something. Right. Like, provide somewhat of a guess, but... um, so I, I like I said, this, I think it's episode twenty where this character is supposed to be introduced, uh, which I think is still a couple weeks away, if I remember right. Um, so it, we'll we'll see how it goes, I guess. <laughs> All right, and then uh, the other show is ba- it's actually based on a comic from DC's Vertigo imprint called I Zombie. Mm-hmm. And this just sounds like a big turd. Yeah. It's about a med student turned zombie forced to work in a coroner's office. So obviously it's going to be thinking zombies. It's going to be just a character who is a zombie, but right. it, in every other way has no zombie characteristics. Yeah. I think we've made it pretty clear how we feel about intelligent zombies. They're stupid. They're bullshit. Yeah. I mean, how is it? It's not a zombie. It's just a walking corpse. Right. Unless it's a Haitian voodoo zombie. But, but of course, that's not what it's going to be. No. Um, it's funny. That's why George Romero didn't want to use the word zombie in Night of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. Because in his mind, the voodoo zombies were – those were zombies. Right. And his was just living dead. Yeah. And now, of course, he's, you know, attributed with creating the modern zombie. Sure. Which he never wanted to do. Yeah, and he actually did resolve to eventually call them zombies. Yeah. In Land of the Dead, I feel like in the original Dawn of the Dead they said it like once. Oh, really? I believe so. Don't quote me on that. But yeah. well, all right. Um, yeah, I, I've never read iZombie. I don't know if it's actual comic book series or if it's um, just like a graphic novel. But it, uh, I, I, I kind of read about it. I think there are actually other kinds of monsters. Oh, good. Um, I, I mean, don't quote me on that. Uh, as I said, I'm not terribly familiar with it. But it's just, it really sounds stupid. I, I almost feel like um, CW is really trying to capitalize on the supernatural element. Um, yeah. Trying to cash in on the uh, the zombie fad. Yeah, to an Which, extent. Although it, it feels like that's kind of tipped. Yeah, uh, I mean, CW, I mean, they've had the, uh, they've had Supernatural for so long. Like I said, it's been like eight, maybe nine years. I'm, I want to say eight, but it, may, it could be nine. Um, so it's been around a while, and they've kind of been, for for the longest time, they were kind of like the game as far as horror, supernatural, paranormal shows. I mean, I mean, there was the X-Files at one point, but then that was gone, and now it's kind of like Supernatural was like the, the big game in that. Um, but then now you've got NBC doing Grimm and um, Rosemary's Baby and uh, Dracula. Dracula, and you've got Fox doing Sleepy Hollow. Um, Walking Dead. Walking Dead, thank you. Um, so things like that is just kind of, I think, maybe pulling the market away from CW. So I think they might be trying to ramp up 
like trying to get that that title back, you know. Not sure this is going to do it. Probably not. Uh, is, I'll give is, Supernatural Tribes a shot. I mean, is iZombie supposed to be a comedy? I really have no idea. Because um, I don't know how to make that concept without it being a stupid comedy. Yeah, it, it sounds silly, just yeah. conceptually. Um, but we'll see. Like I said, I'll give I'll give Supernatural Tribes a, a shot because I'm a fan of the original. Um, I Zombie, they're gonna have to sell me on that. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I I can already. I can say now that that's going to be a tough feat, but we'll see how it goes. All right. Up next is a story that Tony is very excited about. (laughs) Uh, Mark Jones, who is the creator of the Leprechaun series, is teaming up with Warwick Davis once again for a uh, a horror comedy about a vampire that bites a leprechaun and turns him into the Vampricon. <laughs> that is actually the name of the movie. Not just movie. They want it to be a franchise. <laughs> I like that you... We're sure to mention that this is going to be a horror comedy, as if it could be anything right. else. <laughs> like, if they took this seriously, I can't even imagine how stupid it would be. Oh, God, it would be fucking awful. It would be like the first Leprechaun again. <laughs> <laughs> or Leprechaun in the Hood. Right. Well, I think at that point they might have uh, realized what they were doing. That's true. Like, they kind of figured out their, neat, uh, their niche. Um, but apparently this stems from Jones not liking them recasting the Leprechaun in the remake. Which is completely understandable. I mean... Warwick Davis is awesome. Yeah. And he... I mean, He's Willow. I mean, come on. <laughs> and, you know, I almost feel bad for him a little bit because I, he's not get, he's not working a lot. Um, so he was on uh, a show. It's it a Ricky Gervais show. It was brand one season. Uh, it's called Life's Too Short. It, it, was, it was about him. It was about Warwick Davis. Like, it was a reality show. No, it wasn't. A, it was kind of. It was kind of a mockumentary, kind of like, oh, okay. like The Office a little bit. Uh, but he plays himself, you know, like a, kind of a, a comedic, characterized version of himself. Uh, and apparently, he actually in real life is pretty close friends with um, Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant. Uh, and it's just all about him trying to get work. But he also he runs a talent agency for little people actors and you know performers and it's just very unsuccessful and like like he'll hear of a role that they want to offer to another actor under his under his company but then he wants to take the role himself <laughs> but it's like obviously he's poking fun at himself but yeah you have to imagine it's fairly there's, there's cool. some truth behind it right um so yeah, I, I mean he's a popular actor. Mm-hmm. Like I said, he was in Willow. He was in the, all the Harry Potter movies, right? Um, so yeah, apparently him and uh, him and Mark Jones think they can still cash in on that. That'd be nice. I, I almost 
I wonder if they're going to be doing like the same Leprechaun character, like as a lead-in, like the the same Leprechaun character that then turns into the Vampircon. Yeah, or if, I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't know who like if Jones still has the rights to that, or if WWE Films now owns the rights and he can't can't use the character anymore. Or... I don't know. But can I just say that WWE Films fucking ruins everything? <laughs> it's like I don't know. <laughs> um, apparently he bites people on the ankles because <laughs> he can't reach their neck um, yeah the, the quote from Mark Jones is we're not taking this serious it'll have the vampire gore but it's a comedy horror <laughs> yeah I, I, I'm looking forward to this <laughs> just because I, I want to see how ridiculous it is yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, at, at, at this point, it's still like they're they're still negotiating. Sure, um, they they don't have a firm deal with Warwick Davis yet, but he he wants to do it. Yeah, I mean, it's something that it's kind of spawned off a, a franchise that he made, right? So I gotta imagine, if, especially if he's upset about the role being recast, you know. Back into WWE films, they fucking cast that horn swallow guy as the leprechaun. It's like, how fucking uncreative is that? <laughs> I mean, Hornswoggle was introduced as a leprechaun. It's like, if you made a joke about WWE films remaking leprechaun, people, I mean, like, if you told somebody, they would joke, oh, are they going to cast Hornswoggle? Yeah. It's like, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I knew. Kind of reverse of that. I had heard that Hornswoggle was cast as the as a leprechaun, and I said, "Oh, WWE Films is probably going to be part of it." Sure as shit. <laughs> and I, I, I don't know how involved Vince McMahon is in that kind of stuff anymore, but I blame it on him. <laughs> Same as I blame Michael Bay for anything Platinum <laughs> Dudes is involved in. But yeah, we'll uh, we'll keep you in touch with Vampircon <laughs> as as we hear more. If more happens. Yeah. Um, next up, uh, it's been a kind of a long standing, not as a controversy, but just a point of discontent with Resident Evil fans that Capcom has been remaking uh, well they, they remade Resident Evil 4 in HD and kind of did it with Resident Evil 1 when they <clears throat> redesigned it for GameCube way back um, basically took the same game and just gave it better graphics um, so but easily the, the fan favorite of the Resident Evil games is Resident Evil 2. Um, just cause, oh, we're talking about the games? Yes. Oh, I thought this was about the movies. No. Okay. <laughs> um, and so, because Capcom has just, for whatever reason, and they haven't given a reason, they've refused to remake Resident Evil 2 in HD, uh, a fan-led software company has actually decided to 
remake the game themselves in HD. And I had seen a, uh, a few clips of it, um, and it looks really incredible. I mean, it, it's the same game with all the familiar scenery. I mean, all the, the characters look the same, the, 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 the sets look the same, everything looks the same, except it's so crisp. I mean, it looks like a, like a brand new game. Um, the, the change that they've made is that while they still have the original fixed camera angles that are pretty familiar with most Resident Evil games, where you, you know, you move into a different location, you can't adjust the camera. It's set in one central area. This one also gives you the option of an over the, over the shoulder angle, which actually became really popular in Resident Evil 4. Um, but also in a lot of more current games, uh, like the, the Batman games, Arkham Asylum games, um, Resident Evil 5 is over the shoulder. Um, so it kind of it gives you that option, and it looks incredible. I don't, I don't know anything about release thus far. Um, I think it's probably still being developed um, by this company uh, yeah, whose name escapes me at the moment. You have to, uh, I have to apologize for that. It uh, just it looks like I said, like a brand new game. Um, and could there be any legal ramifications for this? That's the thing is that nobody really knows. I mean, because Capcom is kind of non-vocally refused to redo it. I mean, regardless of the fact that there have been like petitions, there have been um, probably not rallies, but like just a real vocal fan outcry for this game to be remade. They've essentially ignored it and given no inclination as to their intention with the game. Um, so the short answer is yes, there could be. Whether or not there will be, it's it's hard to say. Um, I mean, there's really no indication whether or not this will be like a wide release game um, or what format it'll be released in. That's the th- other thing. It's like in order for there to be distribution on PlayStation and Xbox and Wii, well, Wii probably, maybe. I'm not sure if Resident Evil games really come to Wii or not, but um, you have to assume that as it stands right now, probably the only release will probably be on uh, PC or or Mac. Um, But I'm pretty excited about this. Resident Evil 2 isn't my favorite Resident Evil game. I, I'm more partial to Nemesis, but um, Resident Evil 2 is definitely a really kick-ass game. And I never really got into the Resident Evil games. Yeah, I, yeah, I knew that. Um, I'm, I'm not a huge gamer. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I, like I played the first one, and I don't know. I just, I just couldn't really get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I never really got into. F- Four, I I own five, but I haven't played it all that much just because I, I couldn't get into it. I'm more partial to the more classic games like the first three. Yeah, but the fact that Resident Evil Two is going is going to be essentially the same game but redesigned for for a more modern look, I think that's just awesome. But yeah, you keep talking about like how good it looks. Where where did you see this? 
Uh, like, is there a, a website or something that people can go to to well, see it? I think I originally saw it on Bloody Disgusting, I believe. Um, but if, if you just... Um, on YouTube, probably? Yeah, you could search. I, you, you can just go to Google, search Resident Evil 2 HD, and I'm sure you'll find it. Cool. Um, yeah, but definitely check it out. You And maybe if you can, look up some... Just kind of refresh your memory. Look up some clips from the original game and then compare it to this new one. You can definitely see just the incredible upgrade that they made to this. Um, but uh, I'll keep you posted on this because I think it's awesome. I'm, I'm definitely going to keep myself abreast of any de- developments. So, um, yeah. All right, we got one more little thing here. Um, uh, I don't remember when we first talked about it, but on an old episode, we talked about a movie called Hellions, right. which is being worked on by uh, Ponty Pool director Bruce McDonald. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's actually holding a contest where fans can submit their own short films, uh, be it a mock trailer or um, like a clip or even a, like a full story with a beginning, middle, and end, whatever that you want. And the winner will be featured in Hellions, mm-hmm. either like in the background on a TV or well, yeah, that's in, in some way. They actually will. There, there's. I, I think there's probably a particular scene where they have a television in view. This The winner will be featured in that scene on that television. That is, that's the definite way they're going to be featured. Yeah, and then I... I think it's um, not really set in stone, but I think it will also be included with any, like as a, like they'll probably play it before a theatrical viewing. Okay. Uh, I'm sure it'll then, be on the uh, DVD too. Yeah. Bonus it'll, feature. It'll be included in the bonus features. Um, the, the, all, all the films have to be two minutes or under, so it's very short film right <laughs> uh, regulations here um, it, and they they all have to have the same theme, but the theme is just red, right, which obviously you're immediately going to associate that with blood, but it's it's not necessarily what they're going for, yeah, you just have to include a general theme of red in You've one way or another you. um. So submissions uh, the en- uh, entries can be sent in now, uh, as of I think a week ago maybe. Um, and you submit them on their website. Yes, uh, their their submissions are due by February twenty eighth, and you can find out all the details you need on helliansmovie.com. dot um, That sh- that should give you all the information. There's actually a promo video from Bruce McDonald explaining the competition and uh, just kind of introducing you to everything. And there's actually uh, a few clips of um, a few behind-the-scenes footage um, of Hellions, which looks like it might be a little more of an intense movie than I th- would have thought. But Yeah, at first it sounded like it was going to be like very low-budget under the radar, but it looks like it's, it's probably going to be bigger than we thought. Yeah, and there's... Like, you, you watch the uh, the... The behind the scenes footage, 
and it looks like they're used doing like like wire stunts and stuff like that. And yeah. So, um, anyway, if you are a filmmaker or want to be filmmaker, or you have a friend that is, I, I would go check this out at hellionsmovie.com dot com. And uh, should we make one? I maybe I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. And yeah, we'll talk about it later. Okay, so that's everything, and that's going to do it for horror business. Old business is old business, and new business is new business. All right, now we're going to get into our long-awaited movie reviews, since we've been at this for two hours now. We have yet another found footage movie. You just can't seem to escape them. Yeah. And then we have a horror comedy. So what are we going to start with? Uh, well, I guess we can start with the upper footage. Okay. This is uh, my selection, and it's called The Upper Footage. So, this movie is a, um, it's, it's a lot more well-known for what it, it did rather than the movie itself. I think I'll probably get into that at the end. But this, this is not necessarily a horror movie per se. Uh, it kind of get lumps into that genre because it is found footage. Yeah, I, I can remember watching this and just thinking, this is not exactly a horror movie. Yeah, um... It's it's not really what I expected. Me either. Um, but the the movie is about these New York socialites. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is named Blake Pennington, and then there's a, a a vlogger, a video blogger named Will Erickson, and that that's why the whole thing is being filmed mm-hmm. because this this guy is a a vlogger, which is a word apparently. <laughs> Um, but basically they go out for a night on the town down in Manhattan, uh, just get totally nuts, uh, get completely wasted in the back of a limo. And then, uh, they go looking for cocaine and they end up picking up this girl, Jackie, and they, they go back to Blake's penthouse, do so much cocaine, <laughs> A lot of fucking just blow. just copious amounts of coke, <laughs> and uh, 
it's I would say it's not a spoiler to say that Jackie dies. Right. Um, and then basically the rest of the movie is them trying to figure out what to do with her body. Mm-hmm. So that that's the the very basic premise. Yeah. Uh, there's not – I mean – There's really not a lot of meat to the story. No. I mean there's a lot of dialogue. Yeah. But as far as the actual plot, it's it's – there's not a lot to it. I mean, right. Which doesn't, isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just the nature of, of the movie. Sure. There's there's a lot of branches and not a lot of roots. Sure. Um, one thing that's funny is we, we talked about how in so many found footage movies, there's always that feeling of, why are you recording? Right. And in this one, someone actually asks him, why are you recording me? Yeah. But that, it's, uh, it's kind of given purpose a little bit. Uh, it's why they're filming. Which I thought was pretty creative. Um, right. Like in the beginning, like I said, he's just recording because he's a video blogger and yeah, yeah. He, he records everything. But um, later on in the movie, after Jackie dies, there's actually a point where they, in their just cocaine-addled minds, they decide, hey, okay, what we need to do is we got to record the entire night. So that's when that that way that way we can watch it in the morning know exactly what happened and then we can all have the same story for the cops yeah which is both creative and stupid right because <laughs> um, I mean in in the plot of the movie obviously that plan backfired right because <laughs> well why don't you why don't you talk about the, the kind of the viral mar- marketing of the movie okay well um <clears throat> This this movie is infamous to anyone who's familiar with it because the the marketing of it started uh, in t- 2010 mm-hmm. and the movie just came out last year. Uh, basically, they they put out fake profiles on Facebook and YouTube for these people, and they posted these videos of um, Jackie overdosing, left him up for a while. And then pulled him off. And so the the beginning of the movie explains this whole timeline to you of footage being posted on YouTube and there being an extortionist mm-hmm. that posted him and told uh, Blake Pennington's family, you know, give me X amount of dollars or I'm going to release all the footage. Right. And so then the story goes that they got paid off and then four months later two more clips emerged. Right. And all the tabloids and TV programs started picking up on this at the time. Mm-hmm. And like, th- this is all real. This actually yeah. happened. I can remember at the beginning of the movie, them showing all the articles and the news reports and things like that. And it's like, oh, I can actually remember reading some of these articles. Yeah. And like, because um, in the original footage, all the faces were blurred out. Mm-hmm. So there started becoming all these rumors of who these people were. And, uh, you know, so you had these celebrities going on, like, Entertainment Tonight and all these programs saying, it's not me. Right. Yeah, I know that uh, a lot of, like, I think it was Disney stars were accused. Yeah. Um, like, uh, Demi Lovato and um, Miley Cyrus. Yeah. And there was one other one, Chelsea Chelsea Ray or something like that. I'm, I don't know who that is. I don't know. Whatever. And then uh, Quentin Tarantino actually 
I don't know if he did purchase the footage or like if he just wanted to purchase the footage, mm. but he he was tied to it in some way, right? And then, but he ended up backing out. But the rumor was that he wanted to buy the footage and then make a movie based on the footage, right? 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 Um, so the the filmmakers finally were able to get all the footage, and they were going to screen the movie in New York at uh, I think it's Sunshine Theaters, mm. which are owned by Mark Cuban. Huh. And uh, people petitioned Mark Cuban and told him not not to play the movie because this girl dies in it. Right. And, you know, at the time, people still thought this was real. Yeah, yeah. So they thought it was essentially a snuff film. And yeah. so the, the premiere actually got shut down. <laughs> and I remember this because I was in New York at the time. I was, oh, living, yeah, yeah. I was living in New York. And uh, me, me and uh, our friend Jason mm-hmm. were both, like, really interested in this. We wanted to go see it. Yeah. And then it got shut down, and it just it never hit the theater, so we never got a chance. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the marketing in this... It was just insane. Yeah, I, like I said, I, it literally started four years ago. Right, and I mean, this is... A lot of people compare it to the Blair Witch Project. Um, but I I feel like this... I mean, just... I think a lot had, had a lot to do with the technology available. But I think it was a lot more in-depth than Blair Witch. I would agree, yeah. Um, like you said, four years of, of building it, you know. And um, I mean, just recently, the director came out and announced that it was fake. Mm-hmm. But up until that, like everyone still thought it was real, right? Um, yeah, and that's that's insane. Oh, Chelsea Kane. Sorry, that was um, the girl I couldn't think of. That she's from a Disney show or something. I, I think so. I, fuck, I I I only know these people by name. I don't know why they're famous. <laughs> um, yeah, the the other girl in the movie is. Like they they talk about her face being on tabloids, right? But I don't know who she is. Uh, the character's name is Taylor Green, but that name does nothing for me. I don't know if that's a, a fake name or if you, if you go to the IMDb page for this, there's nothing. No cast, no crew. Wow. There's like what the the one guy, the director. There's his name, and that's the only name attached to it. Hmm. I mean, uh, Paranormal Activity was like that. For a little while. Oh, was it? Yeah. I mean, there was just, I think it was just the director. <clears throat> um, like, uh, Mika Sloat and Katie Featherston, they weren't on there at all. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, it, sim- similar to it in that respect. But, um, so, yeah, this was a, a huge campaign to sell the realism of this movie. Right. And I think they pulled it off really well. I mean, considering... Yeah, like, I mean, if the director hadn't come out and said that this was fake, I, I would probably... I would be skeptical, but I would definitely believe it was real. Mm-hmm. And you'd be down to see a snuff film. <laughs> I probably wouldn't have seen it if I still thought it was real. <laughs> um, Although you, you, don't, you don't actually see her die on camera. No. You see her dead. Yeah, but yeah. you don't see her die. True. Um, so okay, let's uh, let's talk about the actual like actual movie a little bit. Um, kind of start out in these characters that I mean they're in like right off the bat they're not likable. No. Um, and I mean like like you said they're just these pretentious young socialite like New York socialite dickheads who have probably never worked a day in their life. No. God no, um, they're really racist. Yeah, 
and bigoted. Um, I mean, you hear lots of different slurs dropped by all of them, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you just there's just nothing to like about them. I mean, like they start off. Uh, it was a ch- Chad, the, the, kind of like the, the main guy, kind of the, the ringleader a little bit. There's no Chad. Sorry. I mean, they're all Chads, but <laughs> there's nobody named uh, Chad. Uh, there's Blake, Blake. Will, so and Bl- Devin. Blake, that's who I was thinking of. Um, he, like, almost right when he's on the camera, he is, like, kind of verbally abusive to his girlfriend, yeah. Taylor. Of course. Um, um, and it, it just it kind of goes on like that throughout the movie, like especially when they start doing a lot of cooking and drinking. Like he just gets more mouthy. I mean, so does she. She starts like kind of running her mouth a little bit, but then he starts becoming a lot more verbally abusive. Yeah, and actually, at one point he does like he grabs her by the throat and puts his hand over her mouth because I think he grabs her by the back of the head and kind something. of like pulls her hair. Yeah. But then, but, like, he pulls her off off camera, so you right. don't really know what happens. But So it does get to a point where he actually gets physical. Right. So, I mean, that's what kind of person he is. I mean, obviously, a lot of – everybody changes under stress. Right. <laughs> I mean, particularly this kind of stress. Um, but um, – And while this isn't particular, particularly a horror movie, like we said, it is very intense. It is. Um I think part part of that I think was intended like the the camera work being very amateurish. Yeah, um, there was parts where I was thinking like this doesn't really like there's scenes there's a lot of voices off camera scenes. Yeah, where you're just looking like at you know a chair or something and you hear them talking. Right, but if you think about it, that's that makes sense. Because if you just set a camera down, you're not going to, you know, point it at people as you set it down. You're just mm-hmm. going to set it down however it however it sits. Which definitely sets us apart from things like Paranormal Activity or e- even Blair Witch Project. Right. Those were all very conveniently placed. Mm-hmm. I mean, we talked about that with Devil's Do. Yeah. Um, granted, a lot of those cameras were like surveillance cameras, but it was kind of convenient that they were there. Right. Um, but... That just kind of really adds to the realism of this. Exactly, yeah. Um, the fact that it was so amateurish. But there's kind of a double-edged sword a little bit because it made it hard to watch, I yeah. think. Because there, there's a lot of times where he was... I mean, you could obviously tell that he was using it like he was looking through the, the screen rather than the, the eye mm-hmm. piece. Um, and so it went out of focus. It was constantly out of focus, yeah, which made it hard to watch. And it's like... My eyes, they're always trying to see things correctly. Uh, so when I'm looking at a blurry image, uh, my eyes are constantly trying to focus it. Yeah. Even though, you know, obviously it can't or they, they can't. So they're, but they're constantly trying to. Uh, I have the same issue when I'm like, like driving in fog. I try to see through the fog. Mm-hmm. And so I actually have to put sunglasses on even when it's foggy outside just so I can see, like I can control my eyes. Point being, that kind of camera work made it really difficult for me to watch just because it's constantly blurry, it's constantly shaky. Yeah. And Like there's scenes where they're driving at night and 
can't see shit. You can't see anything. Yeah. yeah like you, you can almost tell that he's like pointing it at someone because you, right. you'll see like a silhouette or something, but you can't see anything. Right. And then like he'll pan over and you'll see like the dash lights. Uh-huh. And that, that's the only thing you'll see in the whole scene. Exactly. Like you said, it, it's, it's kind of hard to focus on what you're watching. But at the same time, it adds to the realism because in that situation, that's how you would be. Yeah. And um, when they first discover Jackie's body, they kind of do a very shoddy job of trying to revive her. And the camera gets set down on the ground and, like, her head comes down, like, right in front of the camera. Yeah, all you see is her hair. Yeah. And at one point, you just from the sound, you can tell they all leave the bathroom and they're yelling at each other, trying to figure out what to do. And the whole time, time you're just looking at her hair at the back of her head. Yeah. Um, and that was another part where it's like, you could hear them in the other room, but it's just a whisper. I mean, like for what you could hear, it's like a lot of it, I couldn't make out, but at the same time, I don't, it's like, I don't know if I was supposed to be able to tell. Yeah. Um, so like you, you can definitely feel how frantic they are. Definitely. Yeah. You know, and, and you can put yourself in that situation. Like even, even if you've never, you know, been so fucked up out of your head that you don't know up from down, you can still put yourself in that situation of what would I do if this happened in my house? Yeah. You know, and I, they can't call the cops because there's blow everywhere. And mm-hmm. this girl OD'd. Yeah. And like a lot of people might sit there and think, Oh, well, you know, fuck it. I, I'll call the cops because that's the right thing to do. But how many of us have actually been in that kind of situation? Exactly. You know? um, especially because they're all, like I said, they're all coked out of their heads and, yeah. you know, and drunk, and you know, so so is she. Like they're gonna they they run a talk screen on her body and they'll find her. She's just polluted with drugs. Right. I mean, you could you could. In hindsight, you can go back and say, oh, well, just tell the cops that she did the drugs before she came to your place or she brought them with her. Uh-huh. But, you know, like I said, they were so fucked up. They're not going to think of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like like you said, they were frantic. And they, um, they were definitely, uh, throughout the entire thing, they were more concerned with themselves. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they had, they didn't have Jackie in their thoughts at all. Right. Uh, Not never once did they think about if she had a family, if they should contact someone. Right. Um, Well, at one point, it seems like the one person that kind of comes out as (laughs) as much of a humanitarian as he can be is Will, yeah, the the cameraman. Um, He says, like, like when they're hauling around Jackie's body so you know you, you can't just dump her or no no they were talking about just like throwing her in the trash or something like that throwing her in the, the river I think okay yeah um, and he says you can't just can't just throw her away I mean she's it's a person yeah it's, it's not an object it's, it's a, that's a person there and besides if you throw her in the East River she's just going to land on more bodies <laughs> slams on the mafia <laughs> <laughs> um, so something like I don't think I'm alone on this but like whenever you watch a horror movie and there's women like attractive women in it you're always hoping to see a little 
a little bit of a booby, you know? Yeah. And it, it came to a point where it, the only one in this movie that was topless was Jackie. Yeah. And then, like, the scene immediately after that is her throwing up in the toilet. Yeah. And so it's like... Kind of harshes your buzz real quick. Yeah, you come off that high. I was like, oh, I just saw some boobs. And then just you crash. And it's just like, oh, God, now I feel like a real dick. And one thing we forgot to mention is um, Jackie's face is still blurred. Right, and that's that's a very creative thing to do. It right, they, they did that because uh, they, they, they say it's, you know, out of respect to the family and stuff. Uh-huh. Which, yeah, it's, it's, that just adds all the more to the realism. Yeah, and... I really can't say enough to all just everything every angle was considered in this I think um, not not camera angles per se but right. um, like things like blurring her face uh, and, and just down to the marketing and, and it, it was all it there, was like actually, all there was one radio show I think in LA that, that covered a lot of this right and, yeah, um, and they showed a clip of it yeah and they actually had Blake call into the show. They didn't show this in the movie, but I remember seeing it during the marketing campaign. Oh. Where I I assume it was the actor that played him, but he, he called the show and he's like, don't fucking talk about me anymore. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, it's pretty intense. and like that's, uh, That takes a lot of faith in your movie. No shit. To start an ad campaign four years before it comes out and to... To keep it up uh-huh. for that long, yeah, and the fact that this hasn't reached a big mainstream audience—I don't think it ever will. Probably, probably just because not. It, it's still so controversial, right? Um, and the, the only place to see it is online. Yeah, um, we were actually in contact with—we have to assume it was Justin Cole, or maybe a producer in. The film. Yeah, I'm not sure who runs their Twitter, but um, somebody involved with the film actually. Uh, gave us access to the movie. Right. Um, <clears throat> and we're very thankful for that. Yes, thank you. Um, and so... Like I said, it's it's very intense and it, it's very tense and it, it, it does a good job of making you feel how the characters feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it shows a very good example even in the realistic setting of kind of the, the degradation of the human psyche a little bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've kind of been over that a few times now, but just really can't say enough. Just it's amazing how these, these, like you said, these socialites just turn into ruthless animals, basically. Yeah. It's all about self-preservation to Mm -hmm. them. Yeah, and the, the, like I said that before, it's just like they are above all. Every person in that movie is more concerned with themselves rather than any of their friends, or especially Jackie. Yeah. So I, I have to say that this this wasn't actually as difficult to watch as I was expecting. I was I was expecting it to be a lot more gruesome. Yeah. Um, and just a lot more stomach turning. But um, 
overall, I'd, I'd say I almost almost feel dirty saying that I enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's understandable. Yeah, because um, it is very real. It's it's very gritty. Yeah, um, and it 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 definitely puts you like it it makes you uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and like part of the marketing was saying like like mentioned before that an extortionist was gradually releasing clips from from the the total footage which apparently like part of the story was that it actually it was a, a 90 minute edited version of 393 minutes footage um so it just kind of gives you the idea that like you know obviously they had certain shots in mind or certain certain plot points they probably just ad-libbed for the most part but to give you that impression that there was so much more yeah they didn't actually see and there was actually a part like i said when when jackie takes her top off i think she's being actually coerced she, by, she's dancing for devin and will right um who had had earlier talked about having a three-way with her right and it, you're not really sure if that's what happened or not. Yeah, the the um, words come up on the screen and say the following scene has been omitted or whatever for out of respect to right. the victim. Right, right, um, I think it says at the request of the victim's family or something like that. Something to that yeah. effect, yeah. Um, so just those, those little things, it, it, it really is... Just, I mean, it's a common saying, but it really is just the small things that matter. Yeah. It's um, very detail-oriented. Very. And it's like, it, this is how you make a found footage movie. Absolutely. I mean, I think uh, Paranormal Activity guys, well, th- that's, that's a little beyond repair, I think. <laughs> but any of you found footage, di- potential found footage directors out there, take a lesson from this movie. This will this will teach you how to get it done, like the right way. Yeah, and not just like the marketing campaign because that's obviously that's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Um, but just the, like we said, the sense of not every shot needs to be perfect. Right, and it's it's actually better if they're not because <clears throat> the imperfections add to the realism. Right. Well, um, think you want to go and give this a rating. Um. I think I'm going to give it a six. Six? Yeah. I got to say, I would have thought you'd rate it a little higher. Really? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I did thoroughly enjoy it. It, it. it did make me feel very... Uh, uncomfortable? Yeah, uncomfortable, tense. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, there, there were very slow moments. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I think six. Yeah, being that it wasn't actually real, um, and the fact that even though they wanted to keep that realism to it, I think they could have stood to hurry things up a little bit. Yeah. Because there were, like you said, there were scenes that really just kind of dragged, and um, the periods of where you, where you weren't looking at anything, like whether it be black or... Like you said, a chair 
or the back of somebody's head. Yeah. Those were those ran a little long. What did you think of the end? Like the pro or the epilogue? Just the very very end of the movie, like oh, how the movie ended. I didn't expect that. Yeah, me neither. Didn't see that coming at all. It was like five to ten minutes before the end of the movie, I found myself thinking, "How are they going to wrap this up?" Yeah, because it, it it had so so much of the movie is spent talking about how they're going to get rid of her body. Right. Uh, and so it gets to a certain point where it's like, yeah, like you said, like how are they going to wrap? Excuse me, how are they going to wrap this up? So, yeah, the very ending, I, I, I did not expect that. Uh, but anyway, so like I said, I I enjoyed this, and I am very impressed that. Uh, somebody could get me to like a found footage movie because mm-hmm. I am just so exhausted with those. Right. Um, I think. Can I can I change my rating? Sure. I'm, I'm gonna bump it up a point. Okay. Just, just going back, thinking about how the how the end surprised me. I think that gives it an extra point. So. Mm-hmm. Um. So just the the sheer creativity and the the just the really precise attention to detail and I mean taking into account the ending and like I said before the fact that they actually managed to get me to like the found footage movie um, I gotta give credit where credit's due and give it an 8 cool um, so like I said the only place you can see it is online I think it's like five ninety nine. yeah and uh, it's at releasetheupperfootage.com Right, and that's actually redirected through Vimeo, right? Right, yeah, it's hosted at Vimeo, but you can find it by going to their their official website. Right, right. Well, yeah, so if you guys like found footage and you can stomach what appears to be a very realistic, for all intents and purposes, snuff film, I really recommend you check it out. Definitely. All right, we're going to move into my pick, which is a, like, a like we said before, is a horror comedy um, from this year? No, last year, sorry. Yeah. Uh, Called Bad Milo. What is it? You got a thing in your butt. This bump in your colon is due to poor stress management. We love seeing you guys, but we want grandkids. Mm. To learn to relax. It's been a crazy couple of weeks at work. I just want you to be straight with him. You want me to fire this guy today? You'll do fine. Oh! oh. Again with your damn stuff. Shut up and eat your damn dinner, son! I hate you! creature comes out and attacks that someone. This thing is a part of you. What are you talking about? It's a metaphor. This is the furthest thing from a metaphor. Oh my God, what is it? 
stomach flu? Yeah. Where are you? I'm knocking, but no one's home. What do we do? Bond with it. And if I do, then it won't hurt anybody else. Hopefully. Milo? Milo? I had a much better name. Okay, so this movie is really all about about a man and his ass demon. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> We've got a character uh, named Duncan. He, Wait, before you get into that, let's talk about it's it's written by Benjamin Hayes and Jacob Vaughn, and directed by Jacob Vaughn. Right. And is produced by the Duplass brothers. Who have done a handful of movies? Um, Safety not guaranteed is the first one that comes to mind. I don't know if you saw that. I uh, know, but uh, Mark Duplass is—he plays Pete on the League. Oh, okay. So oh, yeah. yeah, him and uh, him and his brother have made a handful of movies. The Puffy Chair is another one of theirs. Not familiar with that one, but so we've got a character named Duncan. He seems to be more or less a happily married man. He works in an investment firm, uh, which causes him immense amounts of stress. On top of that, his wife does seem to be kind of trying to goad him into having a child. Uh, he, he has these extreme sources of stress coming at him from every element of his life. Um, his boss is a um, he, he's a, a thief basically uh, and a real asshole he's really manipulative um, on top of that his his mother and his father have been divorced since he was a kid and his mother remarried some weird kid his like Duncan's age and they're wildly inappropriate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so he, he begins to suffer from a lot of um, stomach problems, just like digestive problems. He, they, they kind of diagnose it as IBS. It's actually seeing like a proctologist about it and they do an ultrasound and they discover what they think might be some kind of intestinal polyp. And or as the doctor says, a trooper in his pooper. Right. <laughs> um, so he, his doctor recommends that he try to eliminate stress from his life, which, how easy is that to do, really? Um, and his wife discovers a, a psychologist for him to go see and, and, you know, get therapy from and, He's really reluctant to do it because he really doesn't buy into it. And he passes out one night just at, in sheer pain from being, being on the toilet for hours and actually hatches a little creature from his ass <laughs> um, who kills... Who's the first person he kills? His, uh, his co-worker. Right. The... 
guy he, he shares <laughs> he shares an office which is a renovated bathroom right with it's not even fully renovated it still right. has the toilets in it <laughs> he, he shares it with um a really goofy guy alistair uh who's eric charles nielsen you might recognize him from community yeah uh actually don't rec- remember his character on there but he's the really just off the wall goofy kind of chubby guy with glasses yeah talks like a stereotypical nerd but anyway so one night alistair deletes all of his important presentation files and so this creature comes out of duncan's ass and goes to the office and kills alistair and police basically chalk it up to a rabid raccoon attack (laughs) and so he duncan goes back to the psychologist and he basically is is, being hypnotized by the psychologist and this creature comes out of his ass that scene like it reminds me of the scene in Aliens, yeah. where the guy, where the little alien rips out of his chest. Yeah, except you, it's coming out of his butt. Yeah, you can kind of like see it pulsating against his pants. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he he finally encounters this demon, and the psychologist says you have to be, make friends with it, you have to bond with it. You have to bond with it because he explains that this creature is a physical manifest manifestation of his dark side essentially like all of his anger all of his stress has just been physically manifested into this little creature um and so he says you have to come to terms with it and you have to be friends with it and bond with it (laughs) and uh then it'll stop causing you problems and stop killing people um and so, just throughout the movie, he, he he names the creature Milo, and throughout the movies, he's trying to control Milo, trying to keep him from killing people in his life because the the cops start start to kind of pick up on these random raccoon attacks, <laughs> and um, so I don't know. I guess that's the basic premise of the movie, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. There's not really much else to it. Um, so I'll just start off with saying this has got to be one of the like one of the most awesome casts I've ever seen. And it's, a, it's a very good cast. I mean, you've got Ken Marino playing Duncan. Who Ken Marino, you probably recognize him from a lot of Judd Apatow. And, or, or, sorry, not Judd Apatow. Um, David Wayne movies. Uh, he was in... Party Down. He was in Party Down, yeah. Um, and uh, Role Models. Yep. And he, he played McLovin's stepdad. Burning Love. Burning Love. It was like a, a dating show parody. Oh, oh, right, right, right. Mike Liam Black. Um, and probably the first thing I ever saw him in, I thought he was awesome. He played Vic in um, Wet Hot American Summer. Yep. <laughs> um, and then he, his wife, Sarah, is played by Jillian Jacobs. You know, is Britta from Community. Mm-hmm. Um, Cherry Daiquiri. Choke, right? <laughs> uh, Patrick Warburton, he plays his boss, Phil Putty, Putty, um, and Peter Stormare is his therapist, right? Who is the uh, the guy from Fargo? Or yeah, he's he's the, the crazy Russian cosmonaut from uh, Armageddon. 
That, that's what I remember. He's Swiss, but he's played Russian. He's played German. He was one of the... Um, Is he the, Swiss? I yeah. thought he was actually Russian. No, he's Swiss. Oh. He was one of the nihilists. Right. In uh, Big Lebowski. Yes. Um, and uh, Toby Huss, who's classic. Artie, the yeah. strongest man <laughs> in the world. <laughs> plays as plays a proctologist. Um, so it's just tons of... Really and his funny. mom's new boyfriend is played by Kumal Nanjiani, who is a uh, stand-up comedian that we actually saw at UCB. Oh, yeah? Or you did and we? I, yeah. Oh, I don't remember that. <laughs> he was the guy that did all the horse jokes when he like put the word horse in all the other TV shows' names. <laughs> okay, that sounds familiar. <laughs> um, so just a great cast to start off with. I mean, really funny Stephen Root hmm? plays his dad. Stephen Root is his oh, dad. Oh, right, right. Yeah, um... Uh, Jimmy James from News Radio played Milton in Office Space and uh, played Bill in um, King of the Hill. Yep. But anyway, so just awesome cast, just a bunch of really funny people all together. So yeah, I mean, there, there was absolutely no chance this movie wasn't going to be funny. Um, and all these people are just really surreal characters. I thought. Just In what re- way? Well, like, for example, like, the first time I really noticed this was his uh, his uh, mom and, and stepdad. Just how inappropriate they were in front of him, just talking about their s- sex lives. <laughs> like how at the, um, during the credits, there's the little, like, deleted scenes, and he's talking about <laughs> the different kinds of sex they have yeah. <laughs> every day. Yeah. <laughs> Full thrust Thursday, <laughs> and then I mean, his, his, his Smith is his shrink. It, like he was just really off the wall. I mean, that, that guy um, always is. I mean, uh, Peter Stormare. Yeah, he's always he always just plays a weirdo. I mean, that's kind of his thing. Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, so just really off the wall characters. I mean, they weren't normal people. I mean, like. Something you might find in like something like Seinfeld, I guess might be a good yeah. example. Where it's just th- those are like a lot of normal people, but they're just doing really weird things. Yeah, like their uh, um, fertility doctor. And he like he he calls yeah. calls Duncan and he's like, "My prognosis is you got a smoking hot wife, so quit being <laughs> such a pussy." Yeah. <laughs> um, and then that guy ends up getting his dick bit off <laughs> right um yeah he like that's the worst scene in the whole movie yeah he, he's in an alley like he's going down on is that a, is that a hooker i assume so I, I couldn't tell if it was a hooker or some girl he picked up or, or whatever like at a club or something but although i don't know why you would go down on a hooker <laughs> I, it's, yeah so and it's then probably like, just some random chick like he comes up, up in a bar like he comes up from doing it, and she says, "That was awesome," and you're, you know, like that, that was that was great. And he starts undoing his pants, and she's like, "I don't do that." Yeah. So it's like, it better not be a hooker. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I, th- I, th- to get like kind of the artistic element of this, I think, was uh, the use of like a little monster. Which, by the way, um, Milo, I think he looked like a combination of um, Mac from Mac and Me. Uh, yeah. E.T. 
and a grim. Yeah, my my girlfriend said that he looked like an evil the evil ET. Yeah. Um, and then like throw in a gremlin, and then you've got Milo. <laughs> yeah. And he talks like Blue from Blue's Clues. He's like, yeah. blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and Milo, he, like he has the ability to look kind of cute but then also not kind of he's freaking adorable when he's not evil <laughs> well the fact that he looks slimy and he's usually covered in blood and, and poop and poop <laughs> he, he looks like i don't know he, he looks a little like a turd like he's kind of wrinkly like he looks like a flesh-toned michelin man like he's, he almost looks like he's like made out of intestines or something yeah um but anyway, yeah he has he definitely has the ability to look cute but then also Horrifying. <laughs> yeah. Is, um, was he CGI or? No, it was all puppeteering. It was just straight. Well, I imagine like the there's where some... his arms and stuff moved. It almost looked like like the his body was CGI. Uh, it, 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 that part may have been done on like a green screen or something. Okay. Um, but no, it was it was a puppet with some animatronics, which were surprisingly good for what I assume is a low budget movie. Yeah. Uh, I mean. For the cast they assembled, I imagine a lot of the money for the film went to them. Yeah. Um, so it was really surprising to see that level of, you know, special effects. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, anyway, what I was saying was that the I think the use of like a physical monster to represent a person's stress pretty creative yeah um i mean i think we all feel like we might have a little bit of an ass monster inside of us (laughs) (laughs) um i just hope he stays there yeah (laughs) yeah i don't really want to give birth to something out of my shitter every day (laughs) and then have him have to go back up yeah that was the thing was milo was like since he was part of duncan he always had to go back up there yeah i remember at one one point um um sarah who's duncan's wife like he's She's helping Milo back into Duncan's ass. She's like, how is he going to fit? It's like, oh, he, he fits. Don't worry. <laughs> like, are, you, are, you, are you turning him? He's like, oh, he's, he's kind of turning himself. Ouchie. <laughs> and, like, I actually have written in my notes here, Duncan's asshole must look like fucking leather right now. <laughs> um, but, yeah, just kind of... He actually, um, his, his shrink, uh, Highsmith, he actually happens to have, like, this ancient-looking book, like, covered in dust. Of course. Because <laughs> yeah. everybody does, um, even if it's about an evil turkey. Yeah. <laughs> um, he pulls it off the shelf and opens it up, and apparently this is, like, an ancient thing where... Like, in the book, it's like a snake. Or, yeah, like a snake or a dragon or, or something coming right. out of this... It, like it's like an Egyptian painting, hieroglyphic kind of thing. Yeah, um, and so it's, yeah, this is a picture of this guy bent over with this reptile thing coming out of his ass. Um, Snake would probably be a lot more comfortable, probably, than this giant-headed <laughs> thing. Yeah, and that's another thing. Miles' head's like the size of a fucking football. Yeah. <laughs> Like lengthwise, yeah, like Stewie Griffin, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. You just find out this is not necessarily completely out of the ordinary. Like it's happened to people before, 
Um, so I like like I said before, that's just really I thought creative way of kind of subliminally telling people that they have to deal with their stress and they shouldn't just bury it down because that, yeah. that that was something that Duncan tended to do like throughout the movie mm-hmm. even up till the end like at work he kind of let his boss push him around yeah and, and <laughs> Warburton he play, he played such a such a prick <laughs> like I mean you see him on something like uh, like uh, shit what's it called um, Rules of Engagement and he's kind of a dick on there but kind of lovable at the same time right this guy he, he, Phil he just plays a real asshole yeah um, and did you notice like all the weird shit that he did like like he'd like get up really close and make like weird faces at him and like stupid noises I was like there was one point where like he said something to him and then when he said goodbye he turned around and he kind of like skipped as he walked away yeah. <laughs> and like I know that um, when he at one point because um, Duncan is uh, an accountant of some sort yeah, like a like a numbers guy. And he says, "I need you to be in HR, so you can fire people." Yeah, <laughs> and then like after he's like, "I have no experience with that." Yeah, I'm an after, accountant. After he tells him exactly what he's supposed to do, like there's already somebody sitting in the conference room ready to be fired. <laughs> and he says, "You know, he just explains the whole routine and walks away." And like he stops at the re- I don't know if you notice this. He stops at the reception area, and he says, "Look what I can do." And then just like this little like spaz out <laughs> dance, kind of like a, like Stuart from Mad TV. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't know if we were supposed to notice that or what. <laughs> I think maybe that's what I was I was talking about. Was that scene? Oh, could have been. I mean, he did so. Many, I, I didn't hear him say that. Right. Though, but he did so many weird things in that movie. It's like, yeah. <laughs> um. So, uh, so <laughs> I thought it was funny that. Uh, Duncan's dad was like this just burnout hippie. Like he he, he lives le- out in the woods. Yeah, he lives out in the middle of the woods. He has like a he has a house that's really dilapidated. Um and like <laughs> Duncan finds him in this teepee getting stumped. <laughs> like out in the backyard. Like I couldn't tell. Did he live in that teepee? <laughs> Maybe that was just, just where he went cut? to smoke. I don't yeah. know. Um I think he doesn't have a doesn't have a bathroom. He's got an outhouse, right? Which, and Milo comes out in the outhouse. <laughs> Duncan, Duncan just, has to fish him out. Yeah, he digs him out of the digs him out of the um, the outhouse, like the the reservoir. Oh. <laughs> and Milo proceeds to shake off, yeah, just, like a dog. Yeah, just gives Duncan this shit shower, and like he's covered. He's he's wearing that same shirt for like. I mean, at this point, it's about halfway through the movie, and he's wearing that same shirt through like the rest of the movie. And he tells everyone it's the stomach flu. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's just way too much shit, and like a combination of shit and blood. Yeah. <laughs> it's like make it just creates a very uncomfortable atmosphere. Um, I don't know. I mean, this this kind of turning out to be a sh- kind of a short review. But there's not a whole lot of. It's not a whole. Like we don't want to give away all the finer details of it. So. Yeah, I mean, not a whole lot of uh, open discussion points, I guess. But right, yeah, it was a really funny movie. Yeah, it was. I had a, <laughs> a good time watching it. Uh, I mean, like, like I said when I when we started this, I expected it to be funny, mm-hmm. but I didn't expect it to like 
like ha- actually have like a bunch of like outward laughs about it. Yeah. Um, so, um, I guess that being said, and all things considered, um, I'm probably going to go ahead and match my review of the last movie and say I'm going to give this an eight. Because <laughs> it was just, it was just too funny. <laughs> um, being that this is a horror podcast and there's not a whole lot of horror in it. Eh. I mean, there there is. There's, you know, like you said, there's a, there's a good deal of blood. Yeah. But, I don't uh, know. Like, I think that I probably would have avoided picking a horror comedy. But, I don't know. I, you just I, really wanted to see it? I, I wanted to see it, yeah. But I uh, also kind of want to, you know, loosen things up a little bit. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, we get on these strings of actual, like, real horror movies and then you know we watch something like upper footage yeah. just gotta lighten it up a little bit <laughs> fair enough it was a lot of fun um i think i'm also gonna match my last review and say seven all right um well this movie is out on dvd i believe i mean i, I have to assume it is uh, i think so yeah we we watched it online so uh great movie really recommend it uh check it out it's it's bad Milo. Yeah, with an exclamation point. <laughs> um, so, yeah, check it out, guys. Yeah, I think you'll have a lot of fun with it. Okay. But how is this going to work? I mean, how, how is it going to fit? It'll, it'll, it'll work, trust me. There you go. <laughs> Turning him? I, he's kind of turning on his own. Oh, okay, insisting. So he's doing yeah. he's just I just gotta get him that last yes. half inch okay. in there. One, two, two and I'll three. loosen up. That's it. He's up. He's up there. Okay. All right. Well, I think that's gonna do it for us in this episode. Yep. Make sure you go to graveplotpodcast.com. Vote for listener's choice next episode. And, uh, you know, follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Google Plus if you have any of those. Mm-hmm. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and leave us some reviews. Yeah, we're still waiting on reviews from you people so we can know how we're doing. Um, and also, uh, coming up real soon, we don't have it really set in stone yet, but we are expecting uh, an interview with the guy that runs the makeup competition at Crypticon Seattle. Uh, his name is, uh, name's Rob, and I think this might be his actual first year running it. I know he's been a competitor in it before um, and actually a winner, but um, we're going to have him on here pretty soon, probably the next episode or two, and uh, he's going to tell you all about it. So look That's forward to that. Hmm? Should be fun. Yeah. All right, guys, uh, aside from that, we're going to take off. So you guys got to have a good couple of weeks, and we'll catch up with you then. Take it easy, guys. Bye-bye. What it is, what it does, what it does.
it is, what it isn't. Looking for a better way to get up out of bed instead of getting on the internet and checking a new hit me get up. First shot, hip strut walking. A little bit of humble, a little bit of cautious. Somewhere between like Rocky and Cosby's for the game. Nope, nope, y'all can't copy up. Bad, moonwalking. And this here is our party. My posse's been on Broadway. And we did it all way. Grown music. I shed my skin and put my bones into everything I record to it. And yeah, I'm on. Let that stage light go and shine on down. Bob Barker, soup game, and Plinko in my style. Money, stay on my craft and stick around for those pounds. But I do that to pass the torch and put on for my town. Trust me, on my I-N-D-E-P-E-N-D-E-N-T shit hustling. Chasing dreams since I was 14 with the four-track busting. Halfway across that city with the back, 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 crushing. Labels out here, now they can't tell me nothing. We give that to the people, spread it across the country. Labels out here. Tell me nothing, but give it to the people, spread it across the country. Yeah.